Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What is going on, guys? Welcome to the No Bad Dogs podcast, the award-winning, top-charting podcast where I give you guys as much value as I possibly can absolutely for free. This is a podcast that is been asked for all the time and I'm really excited to upload it because I'm going to be able to reference it for a long time. Um, So it's a great podcast on resource guarding. Resource guarding is a dog protecting something, either you or a bowl of food or a toy. This is a a couple with a dog that has resource guarding issues and has since he was a puppy. They also have been dealing with crazy dog training stories from other trainers, which is very interesting. You guys will hear. And yeah, so we're going to walk through what resource guarding is and the things that you need to take to not only break down the resource guarding, hopefully, and rebuild the relationship up. And at the end of the podcast, I'm going to be answering your questions as the listener. If you guys have any dog training questions or any dog training business questions, or if you just want to leave us a review because you enjoy this podcast and it provides value to you, head over to however you're listening to this and leave a review. And if you want me to answer your question, head over to the iTunes review chart and leave your question in the review. Uh, You can't do it on Spotify. But if you're listening on Spotify, we would love all the love that uh, you guys are giving us as well. So listen to the end and enjoy. But yeah, he resource guards, you know, the dog bed or even like kind of like sometimes an area of the house where I like will move the bed because I just don't know what to do with him. Um, Now it's toys. It wasn't before. And like his, I guess his big thing, especially him and I just seem to clash more than him and my husband, but I'm usually the one doing a lot of the, I work nights, so I'm just here more, I guess. And he will just bite. Like if you put any kind of pressure as in, it might be lately, it's like he brought a toy up to me, you know, I was going to like go check it at the ground and he just like will snap and run. Hmm. So it's unpredictable sometimes I mean a lot of times I know it's coming like it's just but it's been an issue since we've got him it started with the food and then it would just like spread everywhere if that makes sense we just don't know no one's ever told us you know you have a fearful dog you have a dominant dog like we have no idea because he just I don't understand why he does what he does and it's it's not consistent either yeah um food he always postures and growls and snarls and food is pretty predictable but resource guarding his bed or toys or um, whatever it is is very unpredictable Um, we can go on a walk with him and he's fine we can go on a walk with him and give him a little bit of correction and then he snaps so it's that's what we're really struggling with trying to understand and correct it just always seems like if he feels pressured in any way like he's being told no you can't do that especially him and i because i just won't let him yeah because i feel like if i let it go i'm like i'm already out of control if i let him go i'm more out of control because he will just blow us off like he's obedient but at the same time there's some days he's just like it feels like he's saying f you yeah i do what i want to do and then he'll just kind of bite and run really and you've, you've had him you've had him since he was eight weeks Right. 
Yeah. yeah. We got him from a shelter and they said he was eight weeks. He was the only puppy from the litter. He had come from Missouri. Um, we think he was a little bit younger than eight weeks just based on his size and where he is now. Yeah. But mm-hmm. yes, we, we've got him yeah. since he was eight weeks. Pretty mal. I mean, not like awful, I guess, malnourished, but I mean, looked like he had been neglected. Yeah. So okay. we took right to a trainer and we've been to two, but it like goes... The one it went real south, and the one it just like kind of felt like a band aid would work for a minute and then go. It's never fixed anything. Okay, well, I think it would make some sense to talk about what you guys have already done before I get into what I think you should do. That way, I okay. have some context of the things you guys have already tried and exhausted. So the first trainer we went to, um, we we took the dog's name is Sprout. Uh, we took Sprout to the trainer. I think like. 10 or 12 weeks because yeah, we identified this resource guarding biting issue early on. So we found the trainer and went between 10 and 12 weeks. I think around 20 weeks, we took him to same trainer. to the same trainer, to a puppy class. Uh, but he's always been very obedient and learned quickly. Um, so we were just trying anything we could. And then we've had multiple visits with him where we, took the dog to his facility. He came to the, our house one time and watched and engaged with us. Um, then his main um, method, I guess, is he uses he uses electrical tape um, as a... Kind of like a distraction. Like he... It was really weird to me, and but it... I mean, it worked for like a little bit, but then obviously it doesn't work. What, what, Where, what do you mean? What would he do? I guess uh, a similar concept to what I picture of like an electrical and e-collar, just a remote means of disciplining whatever is going on. If he's not listening or something, uh, like, he would throw the electrical tape at the dog to get their attention or whatever. So he, so if the dog would misbehave, he would throw the the round? Yeah, okay. and his thing was kind of, I mean, because I was like, why, you know, why would we do that? Because I just, I want to know why we're doing what we're doing. And he kind of said, like, you don't want, you know, you to be the, I guess, punisher. I don't know if that yeah. makes sense. He thought, like, that taking away, but I feel like it's not. Okay. And it worked for like, literally two weeks, but I'm like, now he's just a scared dog of the tape. Yeah. So <laughs> it now. Was weird. Yeah. Now when he is acting up, um, he'll kind of disregard us until we grab the tape. And then he knows, okay, now I have to behave. Um, so that didn't really work. We brought up the option of a shot collar with that trainer and he was resistant to it because of Sprout's aggressive behaviors. He thought that that would exacerbate the problem. Um, so we tried his method for a while. It felt like a bandaid and never fixed anything. Um, so we found a different trainer in the area and she's more of an old school kind of shock and awe, like very loud yelling. Yeah. Um, being really just almost violent and stern with the dog, and that did not work at all. That was a very bad choice. We... <laughs> He's just obviously. I mean, I saw it and I was like, "This would be great if this would work." But I mean, I, I mean, I told my husband, I was like, "I'm not doing this because I know." Yeah. I'm like the minute that with him, I'm like, he's gonna get scared, and then he's because he has like he'll load. Like when he was little, he would like look like he was gonna come at me, and I'm like, I'm not. So. Yeah. We just don't really have anyone near us that has, you know, it's like clicker training and 
no one really that's ever, I mean, I told, asked both the trainers, why does he, why does he do this? And how do you want me to mm-hmm. discipline bites me? And no one could give me a straight answer. And I feel like the first trainer was honestly scared of him. Like mm-hmm. he never really, I would be like, how do I fix this like food thing? And he never really like watched even like he never tried it with him. So I'm like, how do you fix a problem when you haven't even seen, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like an imperfect, you didn't try you don't see his reaction. You just know me saying what his reaction is. But that first trainer didn't really know what to do. So he also recommended like an adrenal support uh, supplement for him because he felt like he was just kind of really highly wired and his adrenal glands might be overworked. So mm. Something to help regulate that. That didn't work. Um, I don't know. Okay. It's All pretty right. much try we can in the area. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. Those are, yeah. I mean, the, I mean, I always like to ask because I like to get some sort of context and foundation, but I mean, that doesn't, we'll just scrap those and act like they didn't happen because those are useless yeah. to you guys. Uh, <laughs> the electrical tape thing is a first for me, for sure. I mean, I, 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 I've heard of people, I've heard of people doing like uh, what they call like, um, they do like a form of like bonker, which is something that some people use where they basically use like a I've seen a lot of people do it with like water bottles or they'll take a t-shirt and like band it up in rubber bands and just throw it near the dog they don't ever hit the dog with it but it it basically just frightens them and what they're doing it kind of works like an invisible fence is whenever they go or do something you use that and it frightens them and every time that they do it that happens so they either stay away from it or they don't do it so mm-hmm. it's just not really sustainable because you want your dog to it's I've seen people use it in daycare settings, which is nice because it'll break up tension, you know, like that's, I don't want to say like things like that don't ever work, but with what you guys are dealing with, it's just not applicable in my opinion. I mean, I wouldn't do it, but that doesn't make them wrong. It just makes it not work for you. So if it didn't work for you, it doesn't make it wrong. It just didn't work, I guess we'll say, but so moving forward. Okay. So when so he's pretty much been a little nervy since you've gotten him it seems okay mm-hmm. and he's a did you say he's a terrier mix so he's a we did a dna test on him and he's a pit bull a lab german shepherd and dutch shepherd it's yeah. always it's always those that, that bundle <laughs> it's always yeah, that bundle great mix yeah okay uh how much does he weigh ish uh, the last time we took to him to 70. the vet, he was about 60. So, okay. So, not tiny. Um, no. Probably like a medium to large. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, let's let's start getting into resource guarding. And uh, first thing I would say as a professional is it sounds to me if it's something that's been happening from the get, it's probably more of a genetic disposition, uh, which is – the reason why I'm saying that is because when you get an eight week to 12 week old puppy that starts to display signs of resource guarding or aggression, it doesn't always have to be genetic. It just means that, um, what, whatever they're, whatever they were being brought up. So you get like a feral street dog and we don't know his necessarily full background or if any. And so if he was born at five to six weeks on the streets and had to scrap and, you know, they say, Oh, he, nobody else was, he didn't have any litter mates, but we don't know really what had happened. And so, 
so it doesn't surprise me and shock me that you have a dog that was potentially born on the streets or born in the system and acts a certain way. I mean, we can look at all of the information that we have from humans and individuals that were also born into a system and the outcomes of how they how they act because of their surroundings, right? In their environment, um, they lack things, they get more of other things. And, you know, to, to be honest, the way that I'm thinking about it is it's not necessarily a terrible thing or a bad thing. It's just, it's an, it's a, it's not really a, a traditional upbringing of nourishment and love and attention and guidance. And so sometimes dogs take things into, into their own hands to, act like they're just going to act the way that they feel instead of thinking about, well, is this okay? Or is this not okay? They just act. We see that often in bratty behavior too. It's not just this feral resource guardian aggressive thing. It, it could happen in a lot of different avenues. And, um, so just think about it like that, that, you know, you, you don't really know exactly what had happened. And that's the way I'm looking at it is, is okay. Maybe, you know, little orphan Annie type dog situation, bouncing around, foster home, traveling, um, trying to, to figure out what life is. People are trying to keep this dog alive. And, you know, now, now you guys have the dog at eight weeks or less, and he doesn't really know much. And in the beginning stages, it's good that you guys got into training, but if you get into the wrong type of training, it really will add gas to the fire. You know, you get, you get a guy at that age that's trying to figure out, uh, who's in charge. And I think when I say that it, to some people's mind, naturally it goes into like, who's, I say this, it's, it's cringy, but like, who's the alpha. And that's, that's not, that's not what I'm talking about at all. When I say about who's in charge is who's actually making decisions and helping the animal go through life, um, with, with regard to everything like there, there's got to be like basically like a person that was born and raised on the streets they're gonna putting them into a formal classroom environment is gonna be really difficult for them it's gonna be really challenging for them because there's boundaries and there's 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 rules and limitations and there's reform and there's structure and there's discipline likely and so anyway it just doesn't make total surprising shock to me that that that's going on but that doesn't mean that's the exact reason but again like if you have a dog that's going through that and then you get somebody that's scaring the shit out of the dog by throwing something at them it's not going to make things better and i think that that's some people's first knee-jerk reaction is to say like this dog is making bad decisions we have to terrify it until it listens and it's just an old old way of thinking um so anyway I, I think that that didn't help early on in those stages of like a sponge of, and I know that I'm preaching to the choir. You guys saw that pretty quickly. Like, you know, hucking a, hucking a thing of duct tape at your dog is probably not the best form of training or sustainable. <clears throat> so, you know, and, and it could be genetics naturally. Like even if this dog was born in a foster and was raised with uh, a loving home that provided guidance and leadership and structure, there's still like genetics that we don't know about. You know, what did, what was mom like? What was dad like? If they both lived on the streets, they were both strays. They both were really stressed. Mom was stressed during the pregnancy. There's all these, there's all these factors that go into, just like with people, you know, genetics are... Um, a big part of our lives and like what our parents did and our grandparents did, how tall we were, what kind of color hair we had, how we acted. There's a lot of that. Um, you know, everything from diseases to entrepreneurship is hereditary, you know, and genetics. And so with dogs, there's, there's certain behaviors and, and personalities that can be displayed down the line for those reasons. It's just something to think about. Um, anyway, 
so where we're at now is oh, a year and a half year old or year and change um, dog that is displaying unpredictable and inconsistent or inconsistent uh, resource guarding behaviors. Also, when we feel pressure from a correction or a leash, we also get frustrated and try to redirect at that point too, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I'm going to break this down, uh, as best I can, just because these really in-depth behavioral, mm, let me see what's going on type things are something that, you know, we typically spend a couple days on figuring out and, uh, things like that. Is the dog in any medication right now? No. Okay. Just curious. Cause I know you talked about adrenal things. I didn't know. Okay. So, um, talk to me a little bit about when, the in the inconsistency with the resource guardian. So the food is very consistent. That's like, hey, if he's got a bowl of food and you go near it, he's gonna growl and protect it and posture. Okay. He but the toy thing is interesting. So he has a toy, he brings it to one of you to say, or Lexi, it kind of sounds like it's more specifically yeah. you. Yeah. Um the toys were never really a like we couldn't give high reward ever. You know, I think that was a known from because he would just latch on like, you know, some kind of bone or just something he thought was like but if it's just his normal chew toy he hasn't really ever been aggressive towards that like it's always just been that's fun he's a which is frustrating because he can be happy go lucky Mm. so that just started i would say like two weeks ago we just were like things are getting he's like doing it now on toys Mm -hmm. so when sitting on the couch just watching tv probably because it's never been an issue with him he brought the toy i think it's usually worse when we're together, I feel like, too. Mm. We're at the between us. I go to take the toy. He's also right there. And then he just, like, grabbed my finger, like, bit my fingers and then ditched. Okay. So two questions. Was he trying to give the toy to a particular person and then you grabbed it and he's like, mm, not you? I, I mean, it's hard to say because I think we were right together. I mean, okay. I don't know. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> He usually doesn't really care just because we've never had him do that before. He usually doesn't really care who throws it or who engages with him. He just wants to play with somebody. He might go to me more often, but if I ignore him and she engages, he usually doesn't respond. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the reason why I was asking is because, Joel, if you're sitting there and you guys have – Lex, you kind of already mentioned that you have a different relationship with him. And so if he comes up and he's like, hey, Dad, here's a toy. Let's throw it. And then you – you know, Lexi, you go to grab it. And then he's like, not you. I don't want you to throw it. I want Dad to throw it. (laughs) I don't – I'm just, again, talking out loud. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, These are just things that – like I'm trying to come at at the situation from a a dog's point of view. Yeah. I don't – I just feel like him and I – I just, because maybe I've always dealt with him, like, I feel like I was always, I mean, I was always the one doing, like, any obedience or teaching, always taking him on the walks, always, like, for the first, Mm -hmm. I don't know, because I work, or I sleep during the day or work at night, so I was just taking care of him all the time, so I feel like it's mostly, and I, I would, we've agreed, I usually am the one more doing the, like, no, I'm not doing this, or you need to listen now, whereas he's a little more, like, eh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lean. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah, I was just curious. And then the bite. Explain to me that. So, is it like a quick little grab? Um, what, what's that look like? 
uh, it's evolved. <laughs> it used to be when he was younger, it was more, I'm going to bite and I'm going to stay. When he was mm-hmm. smaller, oh, I think he knows. Because in the beginning, it didn't feel like when he bit, he yeah. like didn't show like I just did something really bad. Now it's, he usually will do like a latch and go. He'll just latch and run away. And he knows it's. And you call him back and he shows like he looks in his fearful. head, I know I yeah. messed up. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's good. When he was younger, he didn't really show much remorse. And um, like with food, um, she used to have to feed him on a leash or else he would just lunge and continue to go after you. But now, for the most part, it's kind of a nip and run. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Okay. Because that matters. I mean, how a dog does that. I mean, there's corrections. There's... It's all form of communication, I guess, but there's there's corrections, there's attacking, there's malicious biting, there's all sorts of different levels, I guess, to how a dog puts mm-hmm. their teeth on you. And sometimes it's really just like a correction where they're like, and to me, it makes sense because you get like a feral dog that doesn't understand you guys are humans and like he's maybe he's never been around puppies to understand the difference between I I don't know I'm just talking out loud again like so sometimes dogs will correct a human and from a behavioral standpoint uh, the correction is typically just it doesn't break skin it might bruise um, it hurts it pinches but the decision that the dog made to not rip your finger off or bring you to the ER put you in the ER is a decision that they made. It's not a mistake. You know, they can do a lot of damage. And so that's, that's something to think about too. I always think about that when we deal with bites in general is how it was done. Was this an accident? Was this an accident? Was it a correction that went too far? Um, are you overreacting? You know, whatever. So I, I'm just like throwing that information out there that the way that he puts his teeth on you definitely matters because it's a mental decision that he's making to say, Hey, like, I don't, really want to hurt you, um, or attack you, but I want you to stop doing what you're doing. So it's a correction. We see it all the time. If you watch dogs play and interact, they'll kind of pinch each other and correct each other. Um, it's just a part of like dog life. I would say that's kind of what it is. Okay. Um, That's good. It's not like a nip to warn you. Like he is trying to bite you, but not committing, like rip your hand off. He just, gets a good chunk of your hand and then needs. I think in those scenarios, like we took him for a walk later last night and then I like corrected him. We just used kind of like the, I don't know what those are, not like the metal prongs, but the like plastic ones, which I still don't know what to use on this dog because I haven't told yeah. 20 different things. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I like corrected him with that and he was just, he gets so excited about the walk in the beginning. It's like this, lunging kind of that he does if we haven't been walking but he'll do that and then it seems always in the beginning if i correct him and say like no then he'll kind of like yesterday he shows me his full teeth like i'm gonna Mm -hmm. i know with him because there's times i'm like you're just it's a little like that's his little bite and then there's times i'm like oh my he's gonna yeah like looking Mm -hmm. at me okay because he Great skin on both of yeah. us and has multiple times. So, yeah. Okay. So, my suggestion and my opinion is to a couple things. There's a lot going on. Um, so, resource guarding 
can be defined in a, in a lot of different ways, but essentially it's a dog that is guarding a resource, you know, like we used to do back in the day, or even still to this day with water and other resources. But it's like, I'm going to defend this gold till the death, you yeah. know? And so certain dogs will have more, especially a dog, again, that's feral, was malnourished, didn't really get a meal. And if they did, it was very small and, you know, really cheap. And now that they have an opportunity to eat a full, you know, nice hearty meal, they're going to protect it with their life because they basically don't know if it's going to come again. It's going to happen again. So, um, and, and other things too, you know, they, they learned that this appropriate, this behavior is appropriate. So it kind of goes, I think it goes naturally from this is my food. It's a natural instinct. This is my food. This is what keeps me alive. This is what makes me feel better. And if you take it from me or you steal it from me, uh, I may never get it again. I may not survive. And so it kind of clicks in this fight or flight, got a survival mode type stuff and i think it's again it's like this this natural reoccurrence that can happen in in a lot of different animal kingdom scenarios where if somebody takes something from you it's the difference between life or death for you and your family and so it becomes this thing and then it and then the dog kind of learns over time that well if i can act like this and and do this type of behavior and warn people away from my food that's been pretty successful for the things that I want for myself. Maybe I can do it with other things. And that's where mm-hmm. the traditional resource guarding, I think, happens with dogs like that. They, you know, they're, they're, they're born in an environment, again, that were malnourished or they had to fight for their food or they didn't get fed at all. And so when they get that food and then, again, it transfers to other things. And I think that's like the most common form of resource guarding. There's certainly other types of resource guarding, but that's like the most common form of it. Uh, I think it happens instinctually and primitively in the beginning. And then it, they're like, oh, th- this is how I learn how to do it. And the problem with that is, is obviously it's dangerous, but it also creates, it also creates a dog that learns that they can do this behavior and get away with it. And it gets them what they want because of course we back away or we, we let them have it or we release something, you know, if you had a toy and they showed their teeth, you're either going to drop it or you're going to, you know, they're trying to bully you in a sense. Um, so it is a, it is a challenging thing, but a couple things, you know, that I always recommend as we dive into this and peel layers off is if you have a dog that is exhibiting any type of behavior that is unwanted in your case it's very unwanted if there's things that you can control that can eliminate it indefinitely regardless of like the inconvenience you should do it that means no more toys no more bones there's not there Mm -hmm. and sometimes i say that and people are like holy crap it's the end of the world um i don't think it is for you guys because you're looking for any advice at this point to make things better but just understand like meaning if you're like hey this whole toy thing is becoming a problem. It's scary. It's making me kind of walk on eggshells in my own home. I'm like, hey, can you just take away the toys? You're like, yeah, okay, done. So there's that. <laughs> so um doesn't fix the problem, doesn't change much, but it does make it safer for you guys, safer for your friends and family if, if and when they come over. Um, the other thing is uh, with the food and stuff, like what I typically do with dogs like this is I try to – break down the resource guarding by uh, so say we have one say we have a 10 pound chunk of gold what i'm going to do every day is i'm going to take 10 ounces you know out of that gold and i'm going to feed it to the dog every day like that resource and so if you can hand feed that's something that's really valuable um is that something you guys have tried before yes 
Um, and it can go okay, but then he's. I think one of his weird things it's like your hand. If I sometimes I can just be you know he's walking around and you go to like pet your dog, or if I'm sitting on the couch and he comes up to me and you think he wants to come get a pet, then you go to like give him attention. Sometimes you'll put your hand and he'll just decide. He'll kind of do that like look where. Like, give me the kind of, like, look where he's unsure, and then he'll kind of growl or show me his teeth. And I'm like, I, that's why he's so confusing, because he's just, like. Bipolar with how he acts. But we've we've tried hand feeding, and he's fine with the food that's in that hand. But if the other hand moves or comes near him. It might get all weird. Then, yeah. So. Yeah, and. And, you know, and I'm leaning more towards like, you know, the genetics of, of what's going on. Um, but we're going to, we're going to keep piercing through this big balloon and, and, and go through the different things that you can, you guys can do your homework and really audit, you know, where you're at with it. But, um, so again, you know, you just have to be very, um, a matter of fact and, and very direct and very precise when you're doing hand feeding with a dog like this, because you don't want it to turn into anything else and so you would never use two hands you'd have one hand the other hand wouldn't come into exist it wouldn't be there it would just be one hand you'd have your you'd have the leash on the dog just on the regular flat collar in your house and you would then because because the benefit of hand feeding for most dogs is to create a solid relationship with obedience multiple times a day because the dog has to eat and so the, the dog works through you to get what you want creates a solid relationship but in your case, it also is tackling the potential resource guarding issue as well. Is you're saying like, hey, I know that you love your food. I'm going to give you your food and we're going to distribute the food. And in the beginning, you wouldn't ask of anything. You would literally get a treat pouch. You would take the kibble. And this is discretionary. I'm not saying like if he's showing you warning signs, then you'll you'll can this really quickly. But this is just a way that I have done in the past that's been successful to say like, Hey man, you know, that big thing that you want, you're going to get all of it and I'm going to give it to you, but you have to just follow, you have to like Ansel and Gretel to get it. And it, it breaks down the barrier. So, so then what happens is, is that conflict that you have with the dog of him being around you or him being near you, um, gets better because you know, your relationship with him right now is essentially, um, kind of rocky and, and, and conflicting and, and, and I don't know how else to explain it, but it's not, you know, you're not super comfortable around him on trusting him. So, um, hand feeding him. So you're kind of flipping the script. You're like, Hey, you know, that thing that you love that you do twice a day or whatever, well, it's going to happen, but it's going to come from me. And so you, you know, kind of paying for your friends, but hey, you know, it works. So you take that again, let, let's to make it easy. You get a, he eats a couple kibble in the morning. You get your treat pouch, you put your kibble into the treat pouch and you don't ask of anything. He's just like, what's going on? Why is it in there or not in the bowl? And then you just hold out, you just take your, you're taking your palm of your hand and you're kind of just looking away and you just like encourage him, come on, bud. And he comes and he licks it out of your hand. You take two steps back, you look away and you're just looking away for no conflict. You're not trying to create any conflict with him. You're not trying to challenge him. You're not trying to sit, like, don't make the mistake of like, Hey, sit. He's like, dude, give me my breakfast. Like right now you're pissing me off. Like what you're trying to do is merge the two. Cause this isn't a dog that, again, that you can just like correct and say, Hey, quit the crap. I mean, um, a lot of times and a lot of my clients, and I'm sure you guys have seen some of my content online where typically dogs come in and they've never been told no ever. And their external behaviors are really easily, um, 
dismantled by a simple correction of telling them that what they're doing is wrong for the first time and it clicks and it's like, Oh, makes sense. But with this mm-hmm. dog, it's, it's not, that's not what we're talking about. This is a, this is much different. So anyway, you're trying to be as passive and neutral as you can. You hold your hand out, the dog licks it out. You walk backwards, you do it again. You kind of make it this fun game. Um, it could take you, I don't know, uh, three minutes, you know, in total, you just, you're, you're not grabbing one piece by one piece. You're grabbing a handful, you're putting in your hand, you're letting them lick it out. And then you're just kind of doing a circle and you're, you're backpedaling and walking backwards as you do it. And you're just letting them know. And then when you're done, you very calmly take the leash off and you walk away. And so he's, he's taking the thing that he would normally possess and resource guard from you guys. And he's got to kind of go to the ATM to get his cash. You know what I mean? So that's going to be helpful for you guys. Uh, if you're comfortable with doing it and you feel safe doing it, of course, like you'll just have to read his body language. And if he's showing you his teeth and growling, obviously just can this idea. But I think it would be really helpful to like, right now it's like food that he possesses and then the bowl and then him. And he's looking at you like, you put that in there and then leave. <laughs> and that's not a very good way to start negotiating. Like it's kind of like this, you know, this whole like world negotiation type thing. It's like, Hey man, I'm not just going to give you what you want. I'm also not going to fight you for it. And we're not going to have a problem, but you got to respect something. You have to do something, you know? And so that's a good way to start. If you're comfortable with it, it'll help him get what he wants through you. And ultimately what it could do is it'll take that resource guarding that normally he's trying to scare you, like get out of this room or get out of the kitchen or get out of my area that I'm eating at by showing his teeth and growling and doing these things. And then you flip the script and you're like, you know, that thing that you possess, I'm now in charge of it and I'm going to distribute it to you. So you kind of flip the script where he's like, oh, I'm excited to see you now. And I'm excited to take things from you. And I know that in the morning and at night when you get the pouch on, he's going to be sitting there licking his chops, like, but he's doing it in front of you. It's you and him. He's doing it for the food, which is good, but he's doing it with you. It's not just this tangible, like you put the food in the bowl and I'll get the hell out of my house type thing. And that's what's happening. So that's one thing I would do, um, just to get things started. And again, just kind of read his body language. And if you feel like it's a little, um, starchy in the beginning maybe not don't do the whole thing just do like a like again to make it easy if he eats a full cup just give him a half a cup take a couple pieces and then put the rest in his bowl it's a great way to start developing stuff and then if he get if he does well with it and he's like oh this isn't so bad all i gotta do is follow you in a circle eating out of your hand uh then you can start adding in like if he doesn't have any issues with it you can start adding in some obedience and you can start adding in like, okay, now we're going to work a little bit for it. You know, nothing too hard, nothing too crazy. You're just going to say sprout sit. He sits, yes, and you just pay him. So, you know, clicker training um, I think is is a big uh, misconception. Um, so I, I do the same type of training that clicker training does. I just don't use a clicker. I use my voice. <laughs> so it's marking. So what I usually do is yes, and I pay. Yes, and I pay. So clicker is marking. It's alerting mm-hmm. the dog and letting them know that they, ding, you, you did it. And there's a payment that's about to happen. You've completed your task. Good job. So it, it basically just rewards the dog on time. And if they don't get the click, then they they haven't completed the task. So anyway, so typically what I do with a dog like this is I'm very clear. I, I don't, again, I'm almost like looking away and I just say sprout sit. And I'm, you know, very fun and I'm very um, rewarding with it. 
I'm not like sprout sit, you know, like that other, the second trainer maybe was sit your ass on the ground. Cause I'm in charge. Like that's not going to get you anywhere with this dog or except bit, you know? Right. So, so it's just going to be simple, passive, neutral, very like sprout sit. And then you have his treats, right. And your hands are in your, in your treat pouch. So he's like putting his butt on the ground and you're kind of just looking away and you're holding out your hand. And then one thing to do too, with dogs like this is have them <laughs> come to you. So, um, don't necessarily like slam your hand into their face, just hold it out neutrally and and then like guide them to your hand or give them a break and let them eat it out of your hand that way. Um, just because again, you have to be careful about going too fast and the dog getting sketchy about you handing them food. And you're basically in the lion's den at that point because you have your hand in their face with the food and you know, you got to be careful. Um, you know, one thing that we've done again, I'm just, I'm going to try to give you all the tips and tricks that we've done in the past with dogs like this. If you guys feel a little uncomfortable or a little uneasy, you can get bite gloves, um, which would definitely help you guys with a dog like this that isn't trying to rip your hand off, but maybe nipping you and causing potential conflict or uh, anxiety that it's going to happen. You can order them on Amazon right now and prime them to your house. Super easy. They're literally like uh, welding gloves type thing. Um, like, uh, I think they're like uh, Teflon or whatever. So if a dog does ever bite you, you're still going to feel the pinch, but you're never going to, it's not going to break. I never say never, but you know what I mean? So right. uh, we've done that with a lot of dogs too, where if we have a dog that can get kind of sketchy, I remember this one St. Bernard, man, he was I'll never forget this dog. The way that he postured and he looked when you tried to put equipment on him was like, this dog is going to literally eat my face off. And it was like the only dog that I can remember to date that we were so close to calling the owners to tell them to come pick him up in our board and train program. But we didn't, we, 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 we got through it and, and we're all good. But, um, anyway, I just remember bite gloves. Cause I'm like, all right, if this dog isn't going to bite my hands, it's going to suck, but at least he's not going to like, you know, rip my hand off anyway. So that's, that's helpful. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. The other thing that, um, you can do specifically, um, to help with your like breakdown of, um, resource guarding of like, Hey, I control what you want and you're going to get it, but you just have to like, understand that it's coming from me and you're not just going to get it and then go hide in the corner and kick me out of my own house is, uh, and you have to be careful with this, but, um, something I learned in like the shelter systems I I'm, I'm in all the time is you can get a chuck it, um, which is, you know, a ball thrower. And then you could put peanut butter in it, just a quick little swipe, nothing like a half of a can of peanut butter, but you can, um, put the peanut butter in the chuck it and then just kind of do the same thing. It extends you by probably two and a half, three feet, you know, away from you. And you just put it, you just kind of hand it like this and you put it on the side and you say, you just say his name sprout come. And you pay him with that good come. And then you hold it up and you back up and you just keep doing this. And the idea isn't necessarily like going to help with your obedience, but what it'll do is it'll say like, Hey, I have the golden ticket that you normally want to kill me about if I'm near it. And I'm giving you all of this between us. So again, it kind of breaks down that barrier that you guys haven't been able to successfully do right now. It's very binary when he gets what he wants and he's in a mood, you just, he wins. You just kind of wave the white flag, you know? And again, outside of genetics, that could be one of, if not the only reason why he continues to do what he's doing. And that's why I think when you were saying it's evolved, I think that he's just taking things more seriously and he's, he's kind of winning this game that if he 
growls and acts nasty enough, then he really gets what he wants. And so it's a learned thing. And I don't blame you guys for tapping out by any means of like, you know, I don't blame you not battling him, I guess. But anyway, so that's something that will be really helpful. The other thing uh, that you can do outside of, I mean, the first thing is, is just breaking down the resource and saying like, hey, you you don't control this when you get it. It's going to be distributed by me and you're going to work for it just a little bit. So just relax. It's kind of what you're doing. Um, so the other thing that's, that's safer if you're worried and he gets weird is I've done this, uh, I did this at a, um, this company hired me to go out and talk to their, they, it was a private event that they went, I just worked with their trainers for two days in Vegas. And they had a dog that was exhibiting resource guarding. And it was a dog that they were like, this dog will nail you, so be really careful. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I, I, I haven't, I'm smart, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious, I'm, I'm um, mindful about what a bite can do to a person, because I've seen it, but I, you know, I, I don't, it's not my game. Like I don't challenge these dogs. That's why I don't get bit. Um, knock on wood. <laughs> and so, uh, what I ended up doing is I said, okay, let me, it was a beautiful, like young golden retriever and he was great. But then the food came out and he just like flipped the switch, like flip it, like turning off your heat in your house. It was like, you know, just changes like really quickly. Um, probably sounds a little familiar for you guys, but so what I ended up doing is I is I did this X pen and an X pen is basically like a paneled uh, fence. You get it at Pet Pets Bar or Petco. It's just a panel. You can get them like six panels deep, right? And you just fold them together and you can make barriers and stuff. And and typically people use them for puppy training. They make a big circle and the puppy stays in there and they keep them in the kitchen. So I I said you got an X pen. We got an X pen. And what I did is I. As I, I presented all of the information to that dog that naturally would trigger them into this resource guarding mindset, if you will. So I had the bowl, I had the food, the kibble, and I was just dumping it in there. All the kibble was hitting the bowl. And you could tell the dog was excited, but the dog was also conflicted. So the dog was on one side of the X pen, right? And then I'm on the other side, like a chain link fence. And it was a four footer, so I could still have my hand over the leash. But I think what I ended up doing is just tying the leash to the X pen so he couldn't run away. Um, you know, so what I ended up doing is I put the, I, I, I tried to recreate all the scenarios that normally would set this dog up for like, okay, I'm about to be a jerk. So I'd put the kibble in the bowl and I put it back in the bag and I would just make this really like, buffet of like yumminess and he'd sit there licking his chops and what i did is i just took a couple pieces and i threw it through the fence and he ate it on the ground and he came up to the fence again and i threw it to the fence and so i broke down his only ability to take away what he wants you know so i i, I just distributed the food in little segments through the fence so i took the value and clumped it up into one dish where he normally protects the whole thing and gobbles it up and then I just kind of like spit it out through the fence and he worked its way on the ground. So that's one thing you, you guys can do too. Super simple. You could go to PetSmart or Petco tonight or tomorrow and grab one and that's another way you can do it. So that's the that's kind of the, the game plan to start breaking down the resource guarding in a sense of this is the, the thing that you love the most, that you guard the most and I'm going to break it down and every time that you see something that you like, it's going to come from me and that's just now the routine. So they would look for you. He'd be like, is it time? Can you, can I have that peanut butter? So they, they wouldn't go and try to like get it and hide it from you. They would say, I know that I have to go through you because we've been doing this for weeks and months. 
So it kind of changes, it changes the game and it flips the script. The other thing that is going to be really helpful for you guys that I think um, a lot of people deal with on a resource guarding uh, mindset is just your relationship in general. I get away with what I want. I will bite you if you disagree. Um, I know that you're afraid of me and I know that if I growl and snarl and show my teeth that I'm probably going to get what I want as well or you're going to walk away. So a lot of this is relationship as well. And you'll have to go in and re find that and be like that that's not acceptable but you have to do it safely and you have to do it with a lot of empathy because obviously this dog has had that in his mindset for over a year now and it's not going to be an overnight thing and it's going to be stressful no doubt Uh, definitely so uh, one thing that I would recommend which again might be a little difficult for you guys is like doing some sort of muzzle conditioning with him Um, judging by what you've told me so far and the personality of this dog, I'm sure it's not as easy as it should be to be able to like handle him and touch him on his face and like on his collar and him not go like him, not get suspicious of that and be like, Hey, you know, what are you doing? I'm assuming that, that he's, he's that type of dog. Yeah. yeah. So um, whenever we get a collar out, he, he gets really amped up and he just lays on the ground and you just have to slip it over his head. But yeah, it's better than. <laughs> he used to bite, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. That's good. No, that's good. That's kind of like him, like defeated. Like put it on me and let's go. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, so um, now to work on your uh, relationship and to start to turn that, like, hey man, quit the shit. We're not. We're not doing. We're actually not doing this. Like you got to stop. Like we're not. We're not doing this. I know you're mad. Now you're upset because I've seen dogs like they get super stressed and they snarl and they like, there's a dog that I did named Jersey, um, on my YouTube. It's a German shepherd. And I just posted, it's my last like full length video. And she did this whole, like jump up in the air and, and snarl and muzzle punch me. And she just like threw a fit. It's obviously very stressful for her, but, um, it's inevitable like to deal with that during that time. She, that's what she thought she had to do. And so the owner couldn't bring her anywhere, couldn't do anything with her or whatever. But, um, so, so sometimes these, these little freakouts happen, but for him to just lay on the ground and say like, fine, put it on and let's go is good. It's kind of like this. I don't want conflict with you guys. I just, it's kind of like what we're we're talking about with like the, 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 um, the food, the food, the hand feeding is like, he's like, oh, I know that this leash and collar gets me outside. So kill me now and let's go. Right. So that's kind of what we want to do with the hand feeding is he's going to be on his best behavior to get the food that he wants. So he may sit there in front of you and do a really fast sit and lick his chops and wag his tail and you're off to the races. You're like, Oh, this is a good, this is a different change of pace. Um, but, but you need to start, you need to start really getting in and, and, and holding him accountable for the behavior that he's doing, especially right now at this age, it's critical because I mean, I don't want to say it's too late, but he's definitely probably fully mature, both physically and and mentally. And so, you know, the longer you let this go on, the more ingrained it's going to be. And so you're at a good place now that he's not like five or six and he's just been doing it for five or six years. So you're going to have to start saying like, Hey, and you're going to have to be very assertive. And sometimes it means just letting your dog sit there, jump up in the air, spinning around, snarling, wrapping themselves off. Like it's this whole dramatic thing. It's just like kids, right? You, you, you go out to dinner and, and you and your, you and your partner order a beer and your kid wants a beer and you're like, buddy, you can't. 
then they throw this fit and you're just sitting there like almost laughing, like, <laughs> and everyone else is looking at you. And so these things happen with dogs They're They can throw these, um, unrealistic and un, you know, provoked like fits because they're dramatic and they've never seen this information before. And they don't like being told no and things that sprout like naturally probably is like, but um, so muzzle conditioning will really be helpful for these little battles. Like for an example, if we want to st- like what, I, here's what I would do um, is, is I would want to start um, holding him accountable for certain things and letting him know that this behavior doesn't get him what he wants anymore. Like the crying at the table, cause you're five and you want a beer and I'm not letting you have it. Doesn't mean I'm going to order you a Bud Light. Like that's not happening. Right. So um, for him, I would start working on like cleaning like clean house cleaning a little bit like hey man we're not no 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 this is unacceptable we're not doing this so things that i would do is like get him to a door on a leash like a slip leash or something or the plastic pinch that you have and we'll talk about equipment after but um you would just say hey buddy sit and he'd be like no i'm gonna go outside because i'm excited to go outside and i know that that's what we're about to do and like i'm gonna go outside thank you very much and then you apply pressure and then he may get he may get pissed, you know, he may redirect, he may snarl, he may growl. Um, at the very least he won't sit. And when you apply pressure and you give him a correction or you give him some sort of accountability for completely, like you said, flipping you off and saying, I'm not doing what you want. That could be like the main insert of why he is the way he is in general is because he really hasn't had successful accountability other than a, a, a roll of uh, duct tape thrown at him. Like it's not, you know, it's not really like clear to him what he's doing is wrong. He's just going to like be afraid of the duct tape or be afraid of the guy that's throwing it. Um, or like the lady that's screaming at him. So, yeah. you know, you, you want to like be clearer and you want to be like, Hey, this is me. This is fair. This is totally warranted. Um, I'm going to ask you to do something that you should be able to do when you're 12 weeks old. Hey buddy, sit. He's excited to go outside. So maybe he doesn't. And then you add some pressure from your leash and the muzzle is going to allow you to safely do that without any um, conflict or any like, you don't like, I, I've i had dogs, like again, that Jersey video I just posted, you can watch that dog try to go after, she does go after me and my staff like relentlessly. She comes up with her muzzle and tries to bite us like five or six, seven times. And we don't even flinch. We don't do anything. We just kind of like let let it go. And she realizes like she she's the same dog in a sense that she has gotten away with so much by reacting a certain way. So she's totally fearful. She's broken down. She's a mess. She's stressed. She's emotional. She has anxiety. She's protective of her mom. Her mom can't handle her. That's making all this. It's like this loop. It's this never ending loop. The dog is protective because the owner can't handle and the owner can't handle because the dog is now reactive, etc. And so, um, Anyway, once we let her like come after us a couple of times and we corrected her, she calmed down completely and she was able to be around a bunch of other people for the first time. It was a really remarkable breakthrough to see. But the muzzle will allow you guys to safely do that without worrying about getting bit or getting nipped. And so that's what I would do is like you would start holding him accountable for behaviors um, and really teaching him that he can't get, a, he can't get away with like, I'm just going to growl and get away with what I want. You're like, that doesn't work anymore. And once you get over that, like little tantrum, you know, crying at the table, doesn't get you a Bud Light because it's a pretty bottle type thing. Once they get over, like that's not happening. Hopefully it's sustainable. And the longevity will just be like, that doesn't get you what you want. You just have to be, you just have to sit, man. Just like, that's all, that's all you got to do. So, um, muzzle conditioning is as simple as, getting a muzzle. Uh, I, I usually prefer like the Baskerville, 
uh, muzzles for dogs who aren't like man eaters because they can pinch through that, but like you're not going to get latched onto or bit or anything. And it has a lot of breathing room. Baskervilles you can get on Chewy or Amazon or your local PetSmart, I would say. Um, and they come in multiple sizes, a uh, 60 pound dog. I would say I would order a, th- a four and a five, possibly a three and a four. I'm not, I, I would say actually, let me, let me rephrase. I would say a three or a four, um, for you guys. And if you do it on Amazon or Chewy, you just pick the one that fits and send the other one back. So you don't have to okay. like sit there and be like, Oh, this one doesn't work. Let's wait another four days for the other one to come. Just buy the two. I think they're like 20 bucks. So it's no big deal. Um, and so you would just do, uh, you'd get it. And you do peanut butter or sour cr- or, um, cream cheese or like whatever your dog is like obsessed with. And then you just swipe it and then you just hold it. And then the, or you can just put it on the ground and like you're basically disassociating what the muzzle is going to be until it is what it is. And so you put it on the ground, the dog licks around it, lo- loves the muzzle, loves seeing the muzzle, loves smelling the muzzle, loves loves everything about the muzzle because the cream cheese or the peanut butter gets layered on that thing. And the dog's like, I love the muzzle. And so eventually what you'll be able to do, um, is hold it. So again, like this is where, if you're like, oh, I don't really want to hold a muzzle filled with cream cheese or peanut butter. Um, my suggestion is, is just go light, like just smear it on. Don't like put a pound of it on there because then you will run into a resource guarding issue. Let them come in, lick it off really quick, reload it, do it again. But again, if you have the bike gloves, it may make you feel more comfortable, um, there's a lot of creative ways that you can do the muzzle conditioning, um, safely, but you get the gist. You can also use your X pen again to like, um, yeah. So the, it, once you condition the muzzle and then, so say the first week is just holding it, he puts his mouth in there, he licks it up. And then once it's gone, you reload it, you do it again and that's it. And then maybe the second week he's doing the same thing, like, you know, clockwork, he's putting his mouth in there, he's licking it up. He's basically putting his head in the muzzle. You take the straps, you don't strap him. You put him over his head for literally one second. You drop him, you say, good boy. And you put it over again for one second and you drop it and you say, good boy. You're not clipping it. You're not tightening it. You're not, you're just, this is happening. Now it's not, this is happening. Now it's not. And then eventually it's going to go, this is happening, 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 happening. Now it's not. And so you just build that duration out until the dog's like, yeah, cool. Now you're doing that. And then eventually you just clip, good boy, good boy, unclip, clip, hold it. And it's, it's, you know, durational and incremental, right? You just keep doing that until eventually it's on. And he's like, oh, okay. And then you just take your food and your treats and you put it in and he eats it and you put it in and he eats it and then you take it off and you just build that duration out. And every time he has it on, you're paying him. So then you can transition to training. He has the muzzle on. He's looking at you for that beef liver and he's like, hey, let's do this thing. You put the leash on. Hey, buddy, sit. Nah, I don't want to sit. You correct him. You give him pressure, accountability. What am I, chop liver? I'm asking you to sit. Just sit down, man. And then if he fights you or if he redirects, you're good. And you can work through those problems safely that way. And, and, and again, it's going to be stressful and it can be chaotic. You know, and again, if you watch some of the dogs that I work with, they jump up in the air and snarl and they breathe and they pant and they, 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 they hurt themselves sometimes by trying to, you know, run away, scratch the muscle off their face. It's like, dude, chill. And, and then eventually they get over it. And there's going to be this, there's going to be a lot of this pressure before you get the diamond and there's going to be uncomfortable braces before you get the perfect smile. And that's just the way of life. You know, it's going to suck to work out, but you're going to feel great after and you're going to look great. And so there's just all these things that you have to like go through. And, and he may not care at all. He literally might like may put it on and just be like, okay. And then you say sit and he's like, okay. But then when you get outside, it may play a different role, but the muzzle for you guys is going to be really helpful to integrate into like 
friends and family coming over, bringing him for walks in public places, like trying to get him into the desensitization of the norm. And you're basically just like, hey, man, you're not getting away with that stuff anymore. We're not tolerating it. Um, it does, it's not going to work, you know. Um, and, and then in between everything that you're doing, just be mindful to not put yourself into a situation that you can't really enforce. So it's the same exact equivalent to when we're working with dogs who blow you off for like off-leash recall. I had this conversation yesterday with a client. Ah, my dog won't come back off leash. I'm like, well, how much training have you done on recall? None. I'm like, well, that's why. Your dog needs to know what it is first before you can ask, especially off leash. But essentially, I was just telling her like, as you're developing this recall and you're holding the dog accountable with just a long line and a pop, when you ask your dog to do something in the learning phases and they're like, nah, I'm not doing it. And then you can't hold them accountable. They'll become very equipment aware. So they're like, oh, this is the thing that holds me accountable and gets me into trouble when, you know, like the tape, this is exactly what it is for you guys. You don't want that to happen. See, see the problem with the tape, it's like, is it, it's so clear that the tape is the scary thing, you know, and, and really, and I don't want to say scary in a, in a necessarily like a negative or derogatory way. It's just like the tape is what the dog is like, oh, that's the accountability for me. I don't want that thing zinging past my face. But really what it should be is like your voice and the accountability then comes after. And so getting into equipment, you, I'm assuming from what you told me is you have like a star mark plastic pinch collar. It's like a blue, dark blue collar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's blue. It's got black plastic teeth and it's kind of like a martingale that yeah. back it closes. Okay. Now for his fur and his coat, is he more looking like a double coated uh, German shepherd or is he looking more like a, okay, he's next to you. <laughs> okay, cool. The culprit. Um, so the collar that you have, do you, do you have it available where I can see it? I think it is safely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's fine. She'll grab it. Um, we've also tried, like a metal slip lead collar and that really revved him up and he did not like correction from that. Yeah. So we, that very quickly. And this is, we also tried a head halter, um, cause that was recommended to us. And this is kind of the best that we've been able to find, mm-hmm. but it's just, okay. So here's what you're going to want to do. Oh, he's like, yeah, we're doing something. Um, I don't, I'm not familiar with that company, but I, um, I will tell you that you can go on Chewy or Amazon, whatever you guys fancy, and get a Starmark plastic pinch. I can send you the link if you prefer, but it's it. You can literally find it anywhere. It's a it's Starmark, so Star S T A R Mark. Um, I think it's M A R K. I don't think it's M A R T, but Starmark, and it's a small plastic pinch. So the 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 cover is going to be a Pomeranian. And I, tip, okay. I typically tell people to order two of those. They're usually nine ninety nine. They're ten bucks. Amazon are chewy. So the collar that you have is a is a is a is a basically a plastic pinch collar, but it's a big one. It's bulky. So you want to use something that's got more teeth. It's got more definition. It's got more control. It's got more power steering. It's going to give you more surface pressure than the one that you have. Um, so it's, it's got more definition and control and power steering there. So that's going to be really helpful because it's, you're going to have to use less physical pressure because there's more points of pressure for the dog and there's more control. So that's one thing that you should do. Um, I would also highly suggest if you guys don't have a, um, safety clip, they do come with a safety clip. Um, 
but they're not really that useful sometimes, but we have them on our site as well. You just go to buynobaddogs.com and they're uh, like $4.99 or something, but it's basically, we never sell any pieces of equipment that have actions without them because we've had dogs, you they just pull on the leash and your prong or whatever pops off because it wasn't put together right or it was dark. And so I just always have to say that as a disclaimer and um, nobody gets any equipment like that from us without that. Anyway, um, so what you're going to do is, is you're going to start two things is dismantling the actual resource by having the resource safely come from you and you're like, he doesn't get one big chunk of gold. And then he's like, this is my precious. You're like, here's a little bit, here's a little bit, here's a little bit from me every day as, as often as you can safely. And then you're also going to muzzle condition him. Now, Remind me, and for some reason, I'm going down this path of redirection. Does does he redirect? Does he does he come back after you when you punish him on the leash? Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, after in the beginning, he wouldn't like. It was always a fight to get him to come back, but now, I mean, he will. So, like, okay, let me ask you this: if you if you brought him out on a leash and you said Sprout sit and he didn't, and you popped the collar, would he come after you? Oh, would he come after me? Um, not. Okay. So listen, you, you, so, so try, try it without the muzzle because the muzzle might take you a little bit. I would do the muzzle regardless because it's going to be a really technically, or in my opinion, I think all dogs should be comfortable with wearing a muzzle because you never know when you're going to need it for whatever reason, right? They break their leg. You got to bring it to the vet. They're trying to kill everybody. It's like, Oh boy. Um, so anyway, the, um, so here's what you can do for your relationship is find, um, find little things that you can do. So I have this in my Kickstarter course that we talk about often. And so what we do is we start holding the dog accountable with realistic and fair expectations with behaviors. Sit is one of them. We take a piece of food out. He's like, oh, cool. Sprout sit. He puts his butt on the ground. You pay him. The moment he tries to get up, you give him pressure. Correction and pressure is the same thing as the rumble strip when you go off the road. I don't want you into the ditch because you could get hurt. You need to listen because when I say something, you need to pay attention, snap out of it. And that's what a correction is. Snap, snap, snap out of it. So you give him a little bit of pressure and all you can do is you just hold up the, the pressure of the collar and he puts his butt on the ground and you release it. It's a negative reinforcement. Um, and, and you'll do that with a lot of different things. So you'll teach him how to place too. So if he knows to go to his bed on command, <clears throat> you'll do the same thing. So you'll, you'll get a placemat or a bed or whatever whatever you guys want to use. You could use a towel. It doesn't matter, but you teach him what place is. It's easier to have an elevated bed because it's clear. But if you have like a little bed that he sleeps in, you get him on the leash. And if you've been telling him like, go to your bed or go to your whatever, whatever you want to say, right? You get him on the leash, you get your treats and you teach him sprout bed. And, and again, all of this is covered. And if, if you're interested in my no bad dog Kickstarter course, it's basically like it's every behavior that a dog should learn immediately like we we do this with puppies at 12 weeks without the only thing that we use is a flat collar and treats and a leash that's it and we teach the dog boundaries and accountability and leash pressure and we go over heel we go over place we go over crate we go over stay we go over break we go over recall everything that you would need to really set yourself up for success but you're basically going to tell him hey i want you to do this okay now break Hey, I want you to do this. And if he's like, I don't really want to do this anymore. And he tries to get off or he tries to get up or whatever. That's where you're going to start holding him accountable and say, no, 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 you got to, you got to stay, bud. So the micro, I always talk about the small picture is you're teaching your dog how to go to the bed or stay. 
but the macro or the bigger picture is is for you guys is when your dog decides to say i'm out of here i'm i'm doing what i want to do meaning i will bite you or i will growl or i will show my teeth all these things that i do without a filter you're starting to say nope back there and for the first time there's this filter of like you can't just leave the table and ask you know, you got to ask for permission. There's all these like account, even though it's silly, it's just like a respect thing. Like, can I be excused? Sure. Thanks for asking. Or can I have a bottle? I mean, it's just like, it's just, it's just a responsible thing that that dog should have, but, um, it'll put you guys into the driver's seat for the first time in your life. So instead of like chasing him around with electrical tape or you're screaming at him, you can very effectively, uh, teach him, boundaries and respect and love and compassion and empathy and and attention and affection all the good stuff in life that makes us you know good human beings that makes it makes dogs the same um with you know working for what you want and also understanding that you can't just have what you want like oh i'm gonna be a millionaire you go to the bank give me a million sure here you go mr davis here's a million dollars ching no no no. you got to work for it it's life. life isn't like that you, you don't get anywhere like that right it doesn't develop any character so with him it's that's literally the boat that you guys are in is he's just gotten away with so much and if he wants something he just does one thing and boom it's there so kind of fighting him on it um and then i i would just say like lifestyle wise um if if he's coming up to you guys and you feel like it, it could go like like now kind of <laughs> I would, um, again, like this is where your obedient, again, this is where the Kickstarter comes in. Your obedience is so important. Like if he came up to you right now with a toy and you were like, uh, uh, or maybe if you were by yourself or something, Lexi, and you were just like uncomfortable with the situation, you could say, Sprout, go to your bed. Gone. He's gone. He's, he's away from you. You're moving him mm-hmm. away. And this also really helps dogs who have genetical dispositions to be almost neurotic when they flip a switch where they can't help it, it's kind of like a retardation type thing where they're just like, well, you can't, there's, there's nothing you can do here with this. It, that's you either, you either handle it or you don't like, there's no changing this. Right. And I'm not saying that's what it is, but it could be a blend of that. You get this like neurologic, neurological thing. <clears throat> and so if he has a toy or if he finds a sock or if he finds something and he's like walking around the house and you're like, Oh boy. And he brings it up to you. You can send him to his place so you're countering a potential um, conflict or a potential battle or a potential bite because you know he may be like, you know, setting you up or he may be like egging you, like gaslighting you. He's like, hey, here's this toy, throw it, don't touch it. <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> so that's really helpful. Like the more, the better obedience you have, the better life is going to be for, for you and your dog. And so by again, like he comes up and he's like, Hey, I got this toy. And you're like, go to your bed and you send him away, you know? And then that really works. Like this is a little bit more advanced, but like the out command is really big for you. could be big for you guys, like teaching him how to out on something. But that's like a, probably a whole nother conversation with a dog that has resource guarding. But again, like if you can control him, you know, and, and then the other thing would be like, after you do really solid obedience with him, then you can do some remote collar training with him which is very much not like anything that that guy was doing with his electrical tape. Um, again, I have, I have a lot of free resources out there. Uh, I have different podcasts and videos, and then I have things for purchase that you can digest on your own if you want to do off-leash stuff. But in my opinion, um, it, it's hard to say exactly why these things are happening, but it could be because of uh, 
we got a feral dog that's gotten away with everything and now he's learned that this is what gets him what he wants and now he's doing it with everything mixed with um, hard knock life of living on the streets and not having any mom or dad to teach him anything um, and then just being bounced around. And, and a lot of times Foster's jobs are to just keep these dogs alive. They're not necessarily always healthy. They're certainly not getting training for the most part. Um, and so that, that whole, you know, that whole like life of when you got him was kind of like rocky for him, but, um, because you got him at eight weeks, you know, again, it could be this, like, this is mine. Don't touch it. And you know, at eight weeks you can work through that. Like a kitten, you go over and just grab him by the back of the neck and say, no. And they're, you know, they bite you and you're like, okay, no big deal for the most part. You know, they have little tiny teeth, but, um, you can work through those things pretty early on. And because you guys didn't maybe because you didn't hire the right trainer or whatever that's that's besides the point is it also could it also could not be neurological at all it could just be like this is what gets me what i want and you're not going to do anything about it um so it could be like he's bratty he's just being an a-hole <laughs> you know he's like uh and, and it could be you know a, bl- a blend of of everything but the fact that he can sit on your couch and like sleep with you and like you guys are perfectly fine with that is great I just think he's very opportunistic. He's taking advantage of you uh, during certain environments and situations. And until you guys really, it's kind of like this just out of control, like, you know, car that's nobody's driving in the middle of a field, just ripping around going 60. Somebody needs to get into the driver's seat and handle it. And that's what's happening right now with you guys is I think he's just out of control. Um, and, and, and until you start, a, so the next step for you guys is applying the things that I told you with hand feeding and breaking down the resource guarding as well as holding him accountable because some resource guarding is simply because this is mine. It's like Baruka from uh, Willy Wonka, the blueberry. She's like, everything is mine. You know, sign a check, dad, like everything is mine and I'm a big brat. And if you don't give it to me, then I'm going to cry and freak out. Right. And that's how certain dogs are. Some dogs will freak out with whining. Some dogs will freak out with barking and some dogs will be like, I grew up on the streets and I will bite you because I mean, it's the same thing. Like people are like that. You bump and you, you look at somebody wrong that grew up on the streets and they may punch you in the face for it. And you're like, that was totally unacceptable. But to them, that's like, this is how we, this is how I was raised. You know, I have family that like live in cities and they act completely different. You know, <laughs> I had this cousin, uh, when I was little that lived in Chicago and I'll never forget it. This is, you know, maybe not applicable to what we're talking about, but it's the reason why I say these things is he was from the, he was inner city, Chicago. And I remember we all met at my house, my grandparents' house in Southern Indiana. And I didn't like, he like, he like took something from me and I took it back and he just punched me in the face. And I was like, that's, and I told my dad at the, I was young. So I told my dad and he's like, he's from Chicago. So I was like, okay, <laughs> like it's just like, it's a different world, man. And so anyway, um, do you guys have any questions on any of that? Uh, I think for like the house, would you recommend, you said like, should I buy all the toys and his bed or do I start somewhere or leave it or I don't know. Um, I, so I would only, have- so should you get rid of your toy, the toys and the bed? Is that what you said? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either or leave it. Uh, do, um, the toys, I don't want to. I don't want to take away things that he enjoys. But again, if he's not playing nice, yeah. then they're gone. So you, you—that's discretionary on what you guys feel like is 
he is where is he he is taking advantage of you on like if you if you don't if he's taking leverage and you can't get the leverage back then you should remove it from the situation because the there there is no benefit to it other than him taking advantage of you guys and making your relationship worse is he like that with the bed he's i mean the bed's always been an issue i'd say like that the toys is like a and that was kind of a one isolated incident but the bed is sometimes it's if you go by the bed he's fine sometimes if I like I was on the couch. His bed's across from usually where I sit. Mm-hmm. I moved. Like, okay, so, so I so there's a. So yeah. that didn't help. What What did you say? Especially at night, like he just wants to be left alone, and he gets grumpy, and it has to be on his terms. So that was mm-hmm. a later at night. You just she like growled at her. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think so. A couple things. I mean, I'm split on that because I I. I'm very respectful to dogs communication. Right. And I know that that's kind of like where you're going to is like, is that appropriate or not? And you know, dogs growling is, is a form of communication and it's the opportunity for them to tell you that they're uncomfortable. You know, like I was saying this in my live uh, earlier today, somebody asked the same question. Should I correct the growling? I'm like, Yes and no, uh, you know, because it would really suck if rattlesnakes didn't rattle and just bit, you know, I think that they would be extinct at this point. We would just kill them off because they're just so deadly because they just are like little, you know, snake, snake that kill people. So anyway, um, so, you know, you got to be careful about how you're doing that. My, my opinion is if you like, we want him to have his bed in his personal space. So if you wanted to start crate training him in the other room, where at night, if he's like, I'm going to go to bed, good night, guys, you would have a crate or his bed in a space where you're not going to be, bo- like, don't put a, like, we want him to have his bed in his personal space. And if he's going to get grouchy when you walk by, that's kind of his MO. It's not, you know, um, you, you can't clean, you can't stop cold turkey and on all, all this, but it's still not appropriate. Like you should be able to walk in your own living room after work and not get a growl. Um, but again, I kind of like, I'm not super surprised considering, you know, learning more about this dog. So what I would do is take the bed and put it in a, in a environment where he's not going to have that. Like he's not going to be conflicted, like put it in the other room, put it in an office or put it at the end of the hallway where you're not going to walk by him at all or something. And then that way you don't have to worry about it. Cause I think he's entitled. Like, I don't think he's, it almost like, I don't think he's really like being malicious. He's just like, this is how. I've yeah. learned how to behave. This is me. Okay. Makes sense. And then, you know, in the future, like this is just a start. This is a big project, but in the future, I know, I, listen, I talk to people all over the world all the time and the amount of stuff I've heard other professionals do in this space never surprises me. It just keeps getting worse. Um, so, I would say like you, you definitely, I would say spending the money working with me again online after you guys have worked on this for a couple months is, is likely going to be better than going out and finding elect electrical tape guy. Um, we, won't, we haven't <laughs> gone back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I just say like, you know, not everybody, you know, just like anything else, right. You go to a bad burger joint, not, they're not all like that. So I would just say wholeheartedly that um, there's a lot of really crappy professionals out there in every field, including dog training, but there's also, you know, really good ones that can help you and walk you through the process. And really what you guys need is somebody to see what he's doing and work with him 
and um, a board and train option might be really helpful to see like is this dog uh, neurologically uh, behaviorally challenged uh, or is this dog just a feral bratty opportunistic you know or both so that would also be like another option is if you can find somebody that specializes in this type of work that you guys are comfortable with at the right time you know you guys are going on vacation or something like that that's convenient um to kind of just say like hey you need to like a diagnostic like that's what i just did with my truck there was like things going on i bring it to the pros they plug it in and they're like here's all the codes and that's really what you need is you need somebody to really see what's going that's what i would be doing anyway i'd be trying to figure out like um alternatively to that uh we have a three-day program with me where you guys can come up for the weekend um you know it's a day's drive or less for you guys from here to there and uh we work on we have clients all the time coming from the midwest in general uh chicago all the way to california to wherever, but, um, you can also work with me for the weekend and I can help you run through what's going on as well. Um, if you need like a good behavioral diagnostic, which I think you do, but let's see what, let's see what happens over the next couple of weeks, you know, what you guys do, and then you guys can make a decision on what to do. I'm just telling you that this, this needs a little bit more digging into for sure, because it's a, uh, it's a in-depth thing. That's simple. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I think that's a good start. We'll work on those and follow up as needed. Okay. Sounds good. Okay, guys. Good luck. Just take your time. Um, this isn't an overnight thing. Uh, but just take your time. Play it safe. Play it. If if you're uncomfortable with the situation, it could turn ugly. Then just find an alternative. Don't try to push it. Um, bike gloves, uh, plastic pinch collar that's sized right. The smaller one's going to be way better for you guys. Muzzle training. Um, hand feeding, um, boundaries, uh, all that stuff. Okay. okay. And we appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah, nope. thank you. No problem at all. Good luck with everything, okay? Thank all you. Right, thank you. All right, guys. Bye. Yep. Take care. All right, you guys, you've reached, you've reached the end of the podcast, which means I'm going to be answering your dog training questions. Um, this week, uh, I've, I'm actually caught up on a lot of different questions, so I think we only have two. So if you're out there and you're listening, I'll answer it next next episode. Uh, first question comes from MOP10. Love the podcast. My doodle was attacked by an off-leash dog about five months ago, and Tom has given me the tools to help build my pup's confidence back. I have one question. I'm still working with my dog on reducing reactivity, but it is fair. But is it fair to correct him if he starts barking at a dog that he started to bark and lunge at him first? I don't want him to feel like he can't stand up for himself, but I don't want him. I don't want to be unfair. It's a great question. Um, personally, if it was me, I would say there's discretion on it. So it would be like, if he barked at another dog that barked at him, I wouldn't correct him. I wouldn't really even say anything. I would say fair enough. But if it was like continue, cause that's only going to happen for like five seconds, right? It's like a couple of barks. I was like, okay. Um, considering the circumstances of your dog, you know, I, I just would let it go for a second. And, um, I, you know, I, I would, I would just say like, just walk by your dog kind of freaks out because another dog freaks out at him, but your dog also has been attacked. Unfortunately, it's like, it's, it's fair. Um, but if it's like repetitive and it's like the dog is nonstop barking, then that's a different story. So for me, I would just like keep cruising. Fair enough. I'd say fair enough, dude. I get it. 
Um, I hope that that helps. Next question comes from Sammy BD. Uh, easily listening with valuable content, five-star review. I recently dove into the dog training world eight months ago, and I was looking to broaden my knowledge base through consuming a variety of content when I found the No Bad Dogs podcast. This has been the most palatable, palatable, pal, wow, palatable and consistent content I have found to date and enjoy listening anytime, anywhere. Thank you for all you do. Thank you. Question is, my husband is a canine handler for the Marine Corps and looking uh, to Ohura and looking to get out of the service the next three years. We want to open up a board and train business that will be fully functional by that time. He has a lot of education through the military where I do not. I feel part. I feel. I feel partnership invaluable. Also, like to gain education. Also, I'm having the problem finding a good online or in person program in Georgia. Uh, if that helps, do you recommend or know of anyone that will make an asset and valuable? and value probably um i'm not sure of this question he has a lot of education through the military where i do not i feel partnership and valuable and value i'd like to also gain education i'm having problems finding a good online or in-person program oh okay so like dog training school kind of um i don't yet uh, we are putting together a dog training course um, that'll be ready um soon so it'll be ready before the summer um we are right now trying to figure out exactly how it should go. We don't know if we should do like um, a very, very, very like in-depth like course or we should just do like really digestible information on becoming a dog trainer and being successful, not necessarily dog training, but dog training business, which is something that I've been working really hard at for over a decade. And I feel like I can pr provide a lot of value for people like yourself. Um, so we don't know if we want to do like a, you know, $10,000, um, two week program where we talk a couple times a week, give you a bunch of content, give you a bunch of uh, curriculum, um, or make it bigger or make it smaller. We're not sure. Um, so we are working on that, but that will be available for, for me and how I grew my business and my brand successfully. We have a daycare, we have a board and train facility, uh, and I fly over the world educating dogs for a living. So I feel like I can provide good value for people who want to get into any sector, um, so, but other than that, I don't know anybody in Georgia that does it in home. Um, and I'm not sure I haven't done a bunch of research on other people who are doing it, but I think it's just, you need to find somebody that you would pay to be like, Oh, I want to be a business like that. I want to have a successful business like that. You know, if you're paying somebody that has a business that is small or paying at somebody that has a business that doesn't have a good, a good brand, um, you're going to get what you pay for. So just when you're out there looking, make sure that you're working with somebody that can actually give you knowledge and they can put their money where their mouth is. You know, we see that all the time in like marketing in general. They're like, oh, grow your grow your business by X, Y, and Z. And like, they don't even have a business themselves. So it's like, why would I take advice from that person? So when you're out there looking, just be mindful of that. And um, I wish you guys the best. And thank you so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.